Welcome to Radical Embodiment, the podcast where we challenge societal norms and redefine what it means to be fully present in our bodies. I'm your host, Emily Wishall. I am an embodiment coach, certified rolfer, and author of the book, Radical Embodiment, a practical guide to celebrating the skin you're in. Living a radically embodied life means making a consistent, courageous, and intentional choice each and every day to truly be in our bodies. It's about reclaiming our power, breaking free from harmful narratives, and cultivating a deep connection with ourselves. I am absolutely thrilled to introduce you to season five's lineup of guests. In the upcoming 12 episodes, you'll have the opportunity to listen to insightful interviews with friends, teachers, colleagues, and experts in the fields of movement, fascia, and the body. Each episode offers a diverse range of perspectives and a wealth of knowledge for you to immerse yourself in. I hope you find these interviews as enlightening and inspiring to listen to as I did when I was recording them. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 5 of Radical Embodiment, the podcast. I'm your host, Emily Wishall, and in today's podcast episode, I get to share with you an interview with Venus Lau. Venus and I met actually doing level three of an animal flow workshop in Boulder. So she is a fellow and one of the original, I believe, animal flow instructors. Venus is incredible, one of the kindest, just like fun, easy to be with humans that I have met in just a you know weekend workshop setting. Venus is the creator of Venus Fit. She is a former collegiate D1 golfer and certified coach specializing in movement and flow since 2007. She teaches other coaches and students internationally and has over 15 plus certification courses under her belt. And she's based at Los Angeles. She's been featured in several media outlets. There's so many to name. I'll have them listed in the show notes. And her mission is to help people connect and grow through movement as they build strength, mobility, and neural plasticity to create a powerful, confident self and feel at home in their body. Love that mission. And she's got a lot to share in this interview that I know they will have a lot of good takeaways. So I hope you enjoy. And here is the interview. Hi, everyone. Here I am with Venus Lau. Venus, I'm really excited and happy to have you here. I already showed your intro, but Venus and I met in May in Boulder doing animal flow. And she's an incredible mover and human. So just grateful to have you and drop in and get to connect and get to know you deeper in this format. Well, thank you so much. And yeah, I always like to start these interviews with the question of what embodiment means to you. We're just getting right into it. All right. Yeah, we always just go. (laughs) I like it. I like it. What embodiment means to me? jump around a little bit while describing it but what embodiment means to me it's to me another word of mastery and mastery is a lot of ups and downs and different paths and at the end of it at the end of mastery you never truly master anything it's always this ongoing process and embodiment is when I'm okay with that Mm -hmm. and embodiment is when I have messed up so many times that I have to reset and go back to stage one a few times. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, okay, this is actually how I should try this. 
Because I think a lot of times, anytime we're, we're doing anything in life, whether we're trying to connect to ourself on a, on a physical or emotional or a mental level and just move through this thing we call life, I think that we're always just kind of throwing darts, just seeing what, what sticks and what works and what was good, what was bad. And then we finally get to a place in life. I just had my 44th birthday and I'm still learning a lot, but I will say I'm better now about saying if I knew what I know now, then would I make those same decisions? Mm. We'll never know. I mean, I can't go back in a time machine yet, but probably coming sooner than we think. You know, I don't know. It may not be coming sooner than we think, but I think it's being able to make so many mistakes and be okay with it and realize it's not a mistake. That's embodiment. Yeah. Because now you're embodying it. You're okay with it. And now you also have the bravery and the courage to do something new and different. I love that. I, I think I see that all the time in the fitness world. I think that embodiment is the ability to hone in on something, but then also have the confidence to explore in other ways and not just be like protective over this one thing that I know. And I think that's what's really important in life mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. I like how you really like how you brought mistake in there. And like juxtaposing that with embodiment, that feels like a unique kind of flavor twist of, you know, making a mistake and not just like beating yourself up or getting stuck and like, oh, F, like I made a mistake instead of like, okay, made a mistake. And now what do I get to choose how I choose to move forward in a way that's kind, compassionate and centered? Because, you know, we're all human. Part of being human is we're likely going to make a mistake. It's okay. Yeah. I think making mistakes is is actually the fastest way to learn. Yeah. I'm slowly learning that. But yeah, I think a lot of times when we choose to do something, a lot of times we kind of tiptoe our way in. And, and, And that's important too. I don't think it's important to learn quickly. I actually think it's more important to learn slowly. But I think when we know in our head or maybe not in our head or in our body, the right answer for ourselves, regardless of what the subject is, you know, like, should I apply for that job? Um, mm. Should I ask out that other human that I have a, a crush on? Should I, I did try, it yesterday? Should I tempt this new version of an exercise? You know, mm-hmm. should I try this hobby I've been thinking about for the last few months? Mm-hmm. We know the real answer deep down. We know what we should do. We're just scared to do it. And it doesn't mean you have to do it quickly. But if you already know the answer, just jump in and do it. And it's the hardest thing to do. And I think the other day on social media, I talked about what it means to me to be a beginner. Mm. Being a beginner is the hardest fucking thing to do. It's not easy. When they say, oh, it's the beginner version. The beginner version is the hardest version if you are a beginner, right? Yeah, that's true. Because you've never done it before. It's very foreign to your brain, your body, your emotions, mm-hmm. everything. And that's why I love teaching beginners mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it takes this amount of bravery and courage. And mm-hmm. that's, to me, inspiring. That's it. That's mm-hmm. exciting. Yeah, I believe too. Yeah, with embodiment, to be able to slow down some of that external noise of maybe what we think we should want or think we should do or other people are telling us to really have that bravery to listen to that internal compass of like, no, but this is what keeps coming up and being able to trust that. 
and make that choice. Yeah. Or trust that even if you fail, you'll be okay. Yes. Because you know what? Most of the time in my life, I'm like, I have no fucking idea how this is going to end. But I know I'll be okay. But I'm curious if you connect into yourself of, okay, you might make a decision or something that's scary and you're like, okay, but I can trust you going to be okay. How do you know that? Like, is there a sense that you get or is it just like developed years of self-trust or how do you know you're going to be okay? By the way, being okay doesn't mean I'm not going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I'm not going to fail. Doesn't mean I'm not going to get rejected. Doesn't mean that I'm going to perform less than par. Being okay means regardless if the outcome is good or bad, I'm still here. I have failed so many times in my life already. Being alive and having an opportunity to try again is enough proof that I'm okay. Yeah. You know, it's not easy every time I'm scared. People are always like, oh, you're so confident when you do this. I'm like, no, I just have a lot of practice doing it. I have a lot of practice talking in front of people. I have a lot of practice performing. You know, I was an athlete my entire life. I know I have the athlete mindset of like when I take things on, even if I'm scared, I know how to dial in and focus in on what I have to focus on. But Mm. behind all that, I'm always scared. Mm. You never get rid of fear. You know, the whole no fear thing is it's not a thing. It's not true. I think that is like you're not actually connected to what's happening in your body. (laughs) That's, you know, like you don't have any fear. Not really. (laughs) Yeah. Like you might not be walking around with a sense of aliveness if you're not experiencing fear. Yeah. So let's go back to your kind of uh, background as an athlete. So you were a D1 golf college athlete and you're now still, you know, deeply involved in the fitness world. This is a broad question, but I'd love for you, you know, to share, you know, whatever kind of stages point out to you just to kind of walk us through your journey and how you got to where you are now. Because, you know, my experience and my little bit of knowing you is as like really confident, fun, awesome human to be around. And I think to get to that place, that resonance, it also means you have done a lot of growth in your own journey and in your own comfort, in your own skin, in in your body. For sure. I did not grow up thinking I was fun, awesome, confident. (laughs) When I was a kid, I was actually really shy. Growing up in Texas with the name like Venus, being Asian, um, I had glasses when I was a kid. I got made fun of so hardcore one this Mm. One day, I mean, well, a lot of days, but on this one day, especially at a new school, and these boys were like chasing me on a bike and like calling mm-hmm. me names and like spitting on me, and it was bad. Mm-hmm. And, Terrible. Yeah, they cornered me, and then I got off Jeez. my bike, and they like wanted to fight me, like, you know, we're like ten. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I fought back and I beat the crap out of all of them, and then I got yeah. and I rode home, and I was scared and sad and all kinds of things. I remember the first thing I did when I got home is I was like, well, I can't change my name. Can't change the fact that I'm Asian, but I can take my glasses off. So I literally took off my glasses and I never wore glasses again until I was in my 20s because that was one thing I could control Mm. of being bullied when I was a kid. I was really shy, right? Mm -hmm. I was always really athletic, really strong, obviously, Mm -hmm. but I was really, really shy and I didn't Mm -hmm. know how to be myself especially around my own peers until I was a little bit older, until probably end of junior high, beginning of high school. So that's a really long time to Mm -hmm. be shy. (laughs) I had to learn my interpersonal social skills through my friends, through my parents. My parents were actually very social 
human beings and were all there was doing things with their friends and throwing mm-hmm. parties and they owned a restaurant and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I learned by watching other people and I would try to emulate it. And it took me probably through college to really learn that stuff. So mm-hmm. back to your original mm-hmm. question, like mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, especially as an adult now, when I meet other people who I think are fun and awesome and confident, a lot of times I always not want to know their story because most of those people Mm-hmm. Were, were not always bullied but they had a really you know they had some rough past they had to really learn how to embody that embody mm-hmm. and that's where the whole like being okay failing and you know being okay being rejected and mm-hmm. it doesn't make it easy there's a lot of tears that go with that mm-hmm. <laughs> but like it's one of those things where you just have to keep saying i'm okay and I'm learning and and you have to be adaptable. And that takes that takes going, okay, this takes some courage and I'm scared, but you know, it's better than just staying stagnant and continuing getting the same results. You know, that's the definition of insanity. So right, right. fast forward, I was an athlete because that was the one thing that I was really good at. And, you know, I was good at school and I was always really artistic, but back in my day. I didn't realize that you could make an actual living being like an artist or something like that. So I didn't really think about like my future being super, super creative, except for I did want to be a writer, but Mm -hmm. that didn't come in until a little bit later. So I focused on sports because I was naturally good at a lot of sports and I picked that up and I really paid attention. And that was kind of my way of having a voice when I was Mm -hmm. shy was to Mm -hmm. perform, you know, and so... I ended up playing like I was a really good swimmer. I was a good soccer player. I played volleyball. I played all the sports. And then my parents got me into golf and I really excelled at golf as well. And I thought about swimming or playing golf in college. And my parents were like, no, you're going to play golf in college. You know, very Asian parents. (laughs) So focused in on golf, you know, was going to a lot of private golf coaches, most who taught half the PGA tour. Like I I almost qualified for the U.S. Open when I was like 17 years old. Wow lost by one stroke but i awesome because i was 17 and i was like beat a couple of professional golfers you know it was was kind of amazing and so i played golf at baylor university Mm. and it was great and then through that journey my dad was diagnosed with cancer when i was a freshman he Mm. passed away from cancer by the time i was a senior in college and then my mom was diagnosed with cancer a year later and then she passed away when i was 25 after college and so it was just a lot. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Yeah. So my fun awesomeness comes from a lot of darkness, a lot of sadness, mm-hmm. a lot of rough periods in my life where I had to really like pull up my bootstraps. And then also having, I've always had amazing friends mm-hmm. who have supported me. And to this day, one of my best friends is my business partner. And, you know, mm-hmm. she's been one of my best friends for like 25 years. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, our friends are so important and can can help pull us through and, and help us, you know, continue to stay true to the choices that help, you know, make us feel whole. Yeah. For sure. If you don't mind sharing, you know, because you were speaking to the importance of being adaptable, right? And just kind of knowing that like you're going to fail or you need to be adaptable, like dark things happen in life. And so the fact that, you know, going through college while your father is battling cancer and then unfortunately passing and then soon after your mom going through that, 
how did you kind of find yourself like being able to adapt and be with that and to uh, I mean, it was a messy. hard question. This is deep. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's yeah, yeah. It was messy, yeah. and I think that's why I don't stress out as much these days as I used to. I've gone through so much mess and anger and frustration mm. and feeling super alone and. You know, that doesn't mean I don't still do that now. Like, I still have my moments these days where I'm like, God, I feel so lonely, even though I'm surrounded by people. I think that's a really normal thing. And I was actually talking to a friend the other day about that. And she was just like, you know, I think it's just normal to have those moments. It's normal to have those moments where I'm like, why do I not feel good right now? To feel happy all the time. And I think that's the embodiment. That's the acceptance of being like, yeah, I'm just kind of sad right now, you know? And when I tell friends that, I'm like, no, I'm not asking you to cheer me up. I need to just oh, yeah. sit with that. And that's okay. If I'm still here in a few days now, come kick my ass and get me into happiness, you know? <laughs> but I think that's the whole thing. And I think when we accept those moments where we're like, I'm sad and that's okay. That's part of having feelings. Then it doesn't eat you up as much than when you're trying to resist it. It's huge. It's huge. I think, you know, this is different, but I relate to my own way of, especially even just lonely. I moved to Boulder about 10 years ago. I now have an incredible community of friends. I'm really grateful, but it took me a few years to find that. And I remember, you know, two years or so after living here and I just had to stay realizing like, oh my God, I'm lonely. <laughs> I was like, that's what I've been avoiding feeling. That's what I've been avoiding acknowledging. And it felt really scary to admit that because at that point in time, I had this like, inner belief that was like a conditioned belief that if I was lonely or if I was sad, that that meant something must be wrong with me or I'm not succeeding in life that, you know, I fail again, failure, but failed in some way, in a way that like I would make a character judgment on myself. Right. And right. so, yeah, I love that you just say that and we're talking about that of it's part of being human and you can be really confident. You can be happy with where your life is and still have days where, oh, I feel lonely or I feel sad. And that's part of being connected to yourself and part of being alive, of actually allowing and acknowledging and voicing to other humans who you care about that, wow, I'm experiencing this other spectrum of my humanity that's more uncomfortable, that brings discomfort. And I think actually to feel those higher vibration emotions like joy and love and connection, we have to be able to also be open to feeling the really uncomfortable ones. Yeah, it would be weird if we just were always up here, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm just happy all the time. Like, it's like. Honestly, I wouldn't trust somebody if that's how they were. (laughs) I wouldn't trust myself. I'd be like, what's something wrong? I don't know. What's happening, guys? Guys. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'd be like, I need to go watch a sad movie, I think. (laughs) I think I need some pizza. No, but how many times are there's times where we watch movies and I'm like, I really want to cry. Oh, my God. This movie's going to make me cry. And it's almost like I get excited to cry because it's like this Mm. Yeah, when I was younger, I I didn't cry a lot. I still don't cry that much. Mm-hmm. But I now when I when it comes on, I let myself like embrace it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and there's times where I like because I'm like, oh yeah, I'm crying, I want to embrace it, I want to enjoy it. And then it stops and I'm like, oh damn. Oh, no. You got too excited about that cry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's that. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm doing it. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, and then it's like, um, try to get another tear out. It's not happening, and you're like, okay, fine. Now I just feel like a faker. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting how everything is so objective, you know, and what someone would say is, oh, that's a success. Someone else, based on their past, their history, would be like, no, that's a failure to me. And we mm -hmm. always have to, you have to remember that. And, and that's something I've struggled with a lot. I definitely have perfectionist tendencies, being Asian especially, and <laughs> with being an athlete and, you know, being on camera and like always mm -hmm. performing. And so mm -hmm. as I've gotten older, I'm trying to be better about that. It still slips in a lot, but I'm able to like catch myself and be like, okay, Venus, we need to chill out for a second. I need to go to the bathroom. I need to look in the mirror and be like, why are you making this hard? That's what mm -hmm. I would tell myself when I look in the mirror. If something's bothering me, I'll just look at it. Because we know the real answer, right? So I'll look in the mirror and I'll be like, Venus, stop making this hard. You're making mm. it hard. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because everything's objective. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, like every time I submit for like new work project, like whenever I get new jobs, it's not like the same as like the whole like normal interview process when you work in fitness, as you know, but maybe the audience doesn't know that there have been times where they're like, oh, you uh, send your resume or your sheet of like the stuff you've done and then like interview with us and all those things. And it's interesting how every time I do that, I'm always like, oh. Like go back and I, oh well, I didn't update my resume I haven't you know we don't think about those things as much in fitness you know because we teach mm. so many different like workshops or mm. different mm -hmm. students or different certifications and sometimes we just forget to go back and add to yeah. that roster but every time I do it I'm like holy shit I've done a lot of shit <laughs> you know I'm like holy shit I've done a lot of shit and I'm yeah like, wow I realize I don't stop and celebrate myself enough because I'm always like what's the next thing yeah okay that was great what's the next thing versus like mm -hmm. let something happen enjoy it embody it and then move on or maybe not you're not even move on you bring it with you um, i like that bringing it with you yeah as women we have a hard time doing that in general we're not really yeah well i think it's like maybe it's more okay to celebrate these big expected life events but all of these other things and celebrations and wins we do, you know, that might not be quote unquote big enough or good enough that, yeah, like maybe we're thinking too much of ourselves or becoming too arrogant. You know, I think that that all can be happening on a subconscious subcurrent that we're not even aware of that. And we, we just forget and just we forget because we've not trained ourselves to celebrate all of our small wins, acknowledge ourselves to, to be with that. And that's, Huge, 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 huge. Yeah. I guess here's an example. Like, yeah. If I teach a client to hit a handstand for one second and I'm like all day long, I'm like, that's incredible. I can't, I bet we finally got them to do that. And then, like, weeks later, I'm like, oh, shoot, I need to do my laundry. And then it's interesting how, like, before I would do my laundry, be like, whatever, it's laundry. And now, as I'm looking back, now, whenever I do my laundry, I'm like, self high five. I freaking did my laundry. I'm so good at life. You know? Yes. This and is so like, funny. Yeah. I'm trying to be better about those little things. Of yes. Because it, it adds up. And it's so I have to like interject because it's so funny you brought up that example. Today I'm at my home and everything is like how I desire it to be. It's clean. I've got food in the fridge. And I'm just so at peace and so happy. And I'm like, when I go from room to room, I'm like, thank you, beautiful room. Look at you. <laughs> Last week, my house was a fucking disaster. I had shit everywhere. I had been gone. I didn't, you know, it was like every room. I couldn't find clothes. It was insanity. And the end of the week, you know, I was just like, oh, I've been eating food. That's weird. You know, and it was, 
and it was, yeah, like, I don't think that I was conscious that I was celebrating myself, but there was some happening of like, yeah, good job, Emily. Like, this feels so much better to even just take 10, 30 minutes here and there at it to just take care of the home because it takes care of the mind and celebrating that. Not being like, oh, that's just being an adult and human. It's like, no, let's celebrate it. Yeah. Well, that's self-care. Taking care yeah, of Yeah, it is. Order, like, literally tonight, I'm like, I'm going to do my laundry and I'm going to be awesome. <laughs> like, yes. you know, or like, that, you know, that feeling like everybody hates shoving their duvet in the duvet cover but now when i do it i let myself laugh about it i used to hate it so much mm. and now when i do it i do it and i make it hilarious i dive in there and i like crawl into the corner and i tie one corner i crawl the other i tie the other corner and i get out like you know i try to even it out i don't know it's like a whole thing and i'm like giggling while i'm doing it because i feel like oh it's under the covers <laughs> <laughs> all I could think is if anyone were to video me doing this, they think I'm so weird. <laughs> I'm gonna try. I did I just did that last Thursday and I was not giggling <laughs> I was doing my toupee. So next time I do it, I'm gonna channel you Venus and be like, okay, this can be really, really fun. <laughs> Make it like it reminds me of when I was a kid and I was like, you know, building forts with my sheets and stuff mm -hmm. like animals and you know, just like I was yeah. like I'm gonna hate this. I might as well make it fun you know? Totally. It's something you're going to do anyway. Yeah. And yeah, I think I that speaks to, I'd love for you to go deeper here or share on this, of just attitude and perspective of not making your feelings or emotions wrong, not bypassing anything that you're feeling, but also like shifting your perspective and attitude onto just, you know, quote unquote, meaningless tasks we have to do in life that we could just be numb. We could just be like, oh, Okay, now I have to do this thing. Now then I'm going to go do this thing. Then I'm going to go do my laundry of really just being present. And okay, if there is joy, if there is fun to be found in here, I'm going to find it. Hey, it's Emily. And I'm interrupting this episode to let you know about something special I created just for you. If you're eager to explore a deeper connection with your body and embark on an enriching embodiment journey, I invite you to explore my free Radical Embodiment Toolkit. Inside the toolkit, I share a collection of my favorite practices that have helped me to stay present, grounded, and confident while also nurturing the health of my fascia. This resource includes guided body-centered meditations, step-by-step -step instructions on tending to your body's needs, while infusing intention into your emotional and energetic processes, as well as a selection of must-read books for anyone on the embodiment path. I understand that adopting new habits and practices can feel overwhelming, especially when life is busy. So that's why I've designed the toolkit to guide you in gradually incorporating these practices into your life week by week, ensuring that you won't be inundated with information all at once. So to get started, simply visit radicalembodiment.com forward slash embodiment toolkit and sign up to receive your free toolkit directly in your inbox today. So again, that's radicalembodiment.com forward slash embodiment toolkit. I will have that linked in the show notes. All you need to do is go there, sign up with your name, and the toolkit will get emailed directly to your inbox. So I hope you take advantage. I hope you enjoy. 
put a lot of time into this toolkit and I think it's something that's gonna continue to evolve and expand. So go, get it, get the free Radical Embodiment Toolkit today. And now back to the episode. Yeah, I mean, I think if you ask most people, what was your favorite trip you ever took? You know, I'd say majority of people, if they really were to like have a moment to think about it, it's always going to be the trips that you enjoyed yourself, you enjoyed the company. It's very rarely like the big extravagant, most expensive, luxurious trips, unless it was with someone that you cared about, connected with, or had a really interesting moment or had an awesome discovery about yourself, you know? And I think that it doesn't have to be a trip. It doesn't have to be vacation for us to feel that. Like you can have a vacation at home. Like some, sometimes mm. to me, like one of the best ways for me to like enjoy a night is I love getting like a rotisserie chicken from Whole Foods with avocado and sourdough bread and a bottle of wine. And I sit on my couch and I watch some Netflix and I just like eat and like just dip and eat. And, you know, like yeah, it doesn't have to be a big thing, but. I think that a lot of times we take for granted those little, those little things, those little moments, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's what at you know those little moments add up. One of my very first ever like coaches from a like, you know, personal development coach world. She had this acronym that you know even just the talking about celebrations reminded me of. It was M I T R D, which is terrible because it doesn't roll off the tongue. Like matured, it was just moving in the right direction. Which I really like, you know, even just what you shared, like, you know, enjoying yourself watching Netflix can also just be moving in the right direction of if it's coming from like enjoyment, right. right? And what brings you joy? It's like, do more of that, whatever that is for you. Yeah. You know? A lot of times we don't know what we enjoy, though. And that brings me, I want you to come into that into the beginner mindset also, because maybe somebody, yeah, they don't know what they enjoy or they've been like sitting on the fence of maybe trying this thing, but it feels really scary. So because right. since, you know, you work with a lot of folks or you enjoy working with beginners and things. And as you know, and if, uh, if our mm-hmm. audience doesn't know, we met because we both do animal flow. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that is a very difficult thing to decide to do. So for those people who do try things like animal flow that are very untraditional to fitness, I think it's very traditional to how we're supposed to move, but it's untraditional mm-hmm. to what we quote unquote think is traditional fitness that we see on social media and mm-hmm. what we, you know, what we grew up seeing in the gyms, and even though it's more primal movement and we need it. Anyways, that spiel done. It's a hard thing to approach as a beginner. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of times people will say, well, I don't know if I enjoy that because I've never even seen that. How would I know if I would enjoy that? And that's the thing that people don't teach us how to enjoy being new at something. And a lot of people, whether it's exercise or learning a language or whatever you're trying to learn in life, you're not going to enjoy something new unless you're one of the lucky people who learns quickly and picks things up because as humans, we love doing things we're good at, right? Right, right. But if you're not good at it, you're going to be like, oh, I don't like it. I hate it. Oh, it's uncomfortable. Oh, get that away from me. Ah, you know. And I think that it's really important that people like me, people like you who are teachers, you know, that we teach people how to learn something from the foundational level Mm. and how to go about it step by step. So we're constantly feeling like we're actually understanding, connecting, and performing at a pace 
that makes us feel safe. Safety mm-hmm. is number one for everything. Whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's physical, emotional, mental, all the things. Mm-hmm. If we don't feel safe, we're not going to enjoy it. And so the combination of safety is really important when it comes to having fun. Totally. Um, you know, some people are natural daredevils and they're like, that's fine. I'll just go in and I'll jump in and do it, you know. And I think I appear that way because I do kind of have that attitude <laughs> now. But it came from years and years of being really, really uncomfortable and like doing it anyways, kind of. Yeah, you know, and I, I don't want to say it's like fake it till you make it, but it it's kind of similar. Yeah, or maybe just keeping dipping your toe in. Of like the example comes to for me is I learned to ski six years ago, and because winter is traditionally hard for me, and I was like, I love to be outside, and it's like, okay, I'm gonna ski because I know it'll be good for mentally and emotionally, and I was like, and I think I'm gonna like it. I think I'm gonna like it. The first two years, I can't say it was fun. (laughs) No, like. But like, it was fun that it wasn't fun, if that makes sense. You know, I was, I was bad. I also consider myself, I think I'm a slow learner, you know, and I don't p- tend to pick stuff up, especially movements of fast in my body. So I can be slow. And now I love skiing. It's so fun. It was like, I knew when I would connect deeper down, I was like, I know that I'm going to really love this. I'm just going to keep dipping my toe. I'm going to just keep going and trying it. And yeah. But it's that belief right? Of like, I think I'm going to like this. Like, I've been Mm -hmm. taking dance classes now three times a week for a year. Mm -hmm. I did not grow up a dancer. It definitely helps that I'm an instructor and I teach movement and stuff like that. That for sure, by far, has helped me a lot. But I didn't come into it naturally feeling good about it. I mean, like, she'd be like, "Uh, and plie. I was like raising my hand and I was like, I don't know what that means. It's like the most basic thing in the dance world, a plie. And then she'd be like, okay, now we're going to do a box step. And I would raise my hand. And I'd be like, oh, what's a box step? You know, but the teacher's incredible. So she makes it a very safe space. And she's like, oh, no problem. This is what a box step is. This is what a plie is, you know. And she doesn't make anyone feel shameful or like they're asking a stupid question or anything like that. But taking that class at first, because it's a choreography class, mm-hmm. I've, never, I've done like, you know, flow choreography because of movement, but I've never been a dancer and so doing dance choreography is this whole new thing that my brain's having to rewire. And I was terrible at it at first. Like what people see on Instagram when I post it is like after an hour and a half of doing the same thing over and over and over again. But the first half of a class, I'm usually like scratching my head like, oh, shoot, wait, what hand? Where do I go? Wait, where does my foot go? Do I, do I cross the foot in the front or the back? Wait, is it two steps or is it two and a half steps? You know, but it's so good for my brain. And now a year later, after taking it three times a week, I pick up choreography a lot faster. My brain's mm, awesome. faster. Things are firing faster. And I think if you're a beginner who tends to quit, like in the beginning, like, you know, you're like, you know what? I'm uncomfortable. I'm out. Then that's going to be your experience. And that's not necessarily a, you know, I'm not shaming anyone for that. It's just maybe you just didn't have enough experiences with a coach or a teacher or someone to guide you to safety. And yeah. just know that if you stick with those basics and you just continually show up, there's a moment where things click. And, you know, in the end, you're like, okay, now I'm starting to learn faster. And it's mm. such an exciting, that's mm-hmm. the exciting part of the journey. It's like, it's the crappiest, but it's also the best part. And now that I have gotten better at other movement stuff, you know, like flow, like kettlebells, there are times where I kind of miss the struggle in a way. And with certain movements, I'm not like 
I'm not a professional dancer, so I'm not talking about dance. I'm talking about like kettlebells and workout stuff. Or whenever I train people who are new and like they call me the next day and like, I'm so sore. I'm like, I'm jealous. Like, I don't get Uh, sore anymore, you know? (laughs) I get sore, but it goes away pretty quickly because my body's conditioned. And I miss those moments, those gems of like, Mm. that's when change is happening. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And I appreciate your just really honing in on the safety part, not only feeling safe yourself, but also, you know, seeking out teacher, instructor, coaches who elicit in the environment and container they're creating safety because it's not, you know, always there. And, you know, but I think it's an important thing. And yes, you're still going to feel uncomfortable or things will come up and security will come up. But if there's the general sense of safety, then it's more okay to, to be with that. And I think our nervous system also to learn or our nervous system, if we want, you know, talking about embodiment, go into those uncomfortable emotions, those feelings to really express them. We need to feel safe first. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Safety is number one. It, mm-hmm. Whether you're learning a new exercise or you're having a vulnerable conversation with someone mm-hmm. or you're going to try a new fill in the blank. It's like, do I feel safe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So I guess what I'm curious before I go to closure questions is like, what has you feeling alive or curious or like a beginner if there is anything or maybe you're missing that or yeah, in life right now? You know, I feel like we go into in through cycles in life yes. and I think it's okay to be a beginner again. So through life, we will meet friends. I have an incredible friend group. And in the last few years, I queer, you know, I'm a lesbian and I, but I was straight up, up until I was like 36, 37. And mm-hmm. then I realized, oh, wait, I think, I think I want to date women. <laughs> so a lot of my friends are from when I was straight or even mm-hmm. that transition period. And in the last like year and a half, I have now a huge group of queer friends that I also hang out with. And it's really, mm-hmm. it's really new and exciting, even though mm-hmm. I still have my other older, amazing core group of friends, but they're just different. They have different mm-hmm. lives, they live differently. They have different points of views. And it's so exciting to be in this new queer community. Yeah. Is doing things. We're on this WhatsApp uh, chat group. There's like 60 people in the group. So there's always something going on. There's always a birthday. Wow. It's always, you know, and it's really exciting. And that where I am in life is huge because like community is a really big thing for me and surrounding yourself with people who are supportive and who you can always bounce ideas off of. I mean, the support in my life is incredible. And I'd say that is the most exciting thing. And then from there, you know, I'm going to be launching a new program. I haven't mm-hmm. launched a new program since I think like 2020. So like during pandemic 2020 or like yeah. right before. Okay. Yeah. That's Yeah. I think, I think, I don't know, or maybe it was even before that, but yeah, I think it might've been 2020. So it's really exciting. That's like, even though I've done it before, it's exciting because it's a whole new thing I'm doing and I haven't mm-hmm. done it in three years. And so sometimes just being a beginner on something you've already done, but you've just kind of, you know, shaken off the dust and doing it again, like coming at that and being like, what have I learned? What can I do better this time? Mm-hmm. And then dance and rock climbing have been the hobbies outside of fitness that I've been really into. Rock climbing, yeah, and cool, yeah. So it's just kind of cool. I mm-hmm. mean, I have a lot of hobbies, but, <laughs> but yeah. So just 
constantly surprising yourself. That's like even I feel like what I took away from what you just shared, right? And I love that like even just finding communities as we evolve as humans or get to know ourselves better is like, oh, wow, like you said, you're like, I'm queer, I'm lesbian. And like finding a community that also, you know, is different but similar and can relate in how I would imagine you're having different conversations or you're being exposed to different folks and ways of being and operating on the world or trying out finding or launching a new program. Yeah, it keeps us young. It keeps that sense of aliveness and it keeps just that curiosity. Not like always like, oh, I have to like push my edge here. I have to push my edge here. None of what you're saying feels like rigid or like, oh, like being hard. It's just like, okay, this is what I'm curious about. I want to play in here. I want to engage in this way and move forward. And it's going to create a little discomfort and that's exciting. Yeah. I mean, for a while, I actually was feeling really shameful and guilty because I hadn't had a new program in a while. And I had already launched five programs and I did programs with magazines and, you know, things like that. And I think I just needed a break. Yeah. Sometimes that's exciting, too. The last it's important years, I have really taken a lot of time for myself which yeah. I used to never do. I used to work yeah. all day. I'd wake up early. I'd work all day. I'd work out twice a day. And then I'd also go to bed earlier than I do now. <laughs> That's something I gotta work on. But I would go to bed and be completely depleted. And mm. for me personally, that's not how I want to go to bed. Yeah. And the last two years of my life, I've really slowed down a lot. And I've Good. really yeah. embraced that. And like old Venus would have been like, mm, no, I'm feeling guilty. You're not getting anything done. What's happening? Mm-hmm. There is a discomfort in slowing down. But mm-hmm. that was exciting. And then now I'm like, okay, it's time for me to create a new program. It's time for me to, you know, have new friends. It's time for me to start a new hobby. And so everything's kind of revving up again. So mm-hmm. being able to go through your cycles and yeah. be okay when one ends and you need the break and then be mm-hmm. be all about, okay, be humble when you start the new one. Yeah. I love that because I think a break is just as important as doing this or this. It's equally. And I think that, you know, at least speaking for myself, it's when I slow down, take the, you know, or I think it was earlier this summer, I had this moment of like, okay, I'm going to just stop doing all these things I'm doing from a business standpoint and be easier and take a break. And I needed to do that to also get deeper clarity of what is it that my purpose is really calling me for and not just feel scattered from this busy, like, this is the marketing, this is the plan. What we should or shouldn't be doing, quote unquote, but it's like, we don't always know our answer, but we know it'll get there. It'll rise to the surface. We just have to let it, you know, we're impatient in this society. I can be very impatient with myself. Yeah. 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 So Venus, I'd like to know if you have a practice suggestion tip that you would give for somebody who would like to in this fast paced world, who would like to live a more embodied life. And I think that's like a radical choice to consistently make that. Yeah. What would you suggest for that? Oh, man, it depends on the person. Mm -hmm. But I'd say go to where you're wanted, do things that bring you joy, listen to when your body or your mind is calling you for quiet time and find the peace, stability, and safety first. When you start from that place, then it's easier to make decisions and be okay knowing that those decisions you might make, even after like thinking about it for a long time, they might just be lessons. And you might be like, oh, I wasted so much time doing that. But no, we we never really waste time doing anything when we can always return to that place of like, I've gotten this far so far in life. I'm okay. I can go a little further and Mm -hmm. I'm going to still be okay. It is the hardest freaking thing to do. I did not breeze through that. 
even though I'm talking about it, it's not a breeze and just be okay with that. Mm -hmm. Learning how to be okay with just being okay, not needing for the highs to be super high, not needing even for the lows to be super low. Sometimes we're addicted to the the lows. I've been addicted Mm -hmm. to the lows before, Mm -hmm. you know, and learning a new skill is a really great way to shift. Mm, uh, especially yeah. if it's a physical skill. It doesn't always have to be a physical skill, but the best way to tap into our mentality and our emotions is yeah. the easiest access point is physical, right? Mm-hmm. It's the outermost layer of the onion is the physical, mm-hmm. right? Then we get into the, you know, the mental and the emotional deeper down, but tap into the easiest access point. And that's why I love to be a movement coach because mm-hmm. I tell people, move your body. It doesn't have to be the way I move it. Figure mm-hmm. out what it is that you know you'll do on a consistent basis to tap in and shift. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you can find the stability and find the peace. Yeah. It's great. Long answer. Sorry. <laughs> you don't have to apologize. No, it's a great answer. It's a great answer. It speaks to a lot. And I think the skill part is even, you know, when anytime I learn a new skill, I can't think about anything else. And it helps just bring you so into the present, so into the moment that I think it can help be a little easier at least find that pathway then in other parts you know in your life when you're not just in that skill to oh right I can also just be here yes. and just be okay and that's perfect yeah that's what I love about movement and learning new movement regardless of what it is I can only focus on that one thing and that's the meaning of meditation the ability to focus mm-hmm. on one thing I'm inspired to go move now I'm actually yeah. sit on a ball so I've been like bouncing but I'm like yeah I gotta I gotta ready to go move where can folks find out more about your work and I know you're launching a new program that I'm excited about I'm excited to share with some of my clients because I think that they would love it you want to share just a little bit about that and then where people can find you so I had a beginner challenge and now I'm going to be launching a super beginner strength and flow program. It is a five-week group follow-along program. So you have to join and do it with the group. And the reason why is I really want beginners to feel safe and building a community with that, Um, you know, and having people partner up and things like that. And every week I'm doing a live to answer questions and to go into deeper explanation and tutorial videos or a live, you know, talking about live, but I'll, I'll have it recorded for people to watch if they can't make them live. So they really feel... Like they're getting that personal touch with me and that handholding, but also like with the community and everyone's learning together. And because of what I've realized is a lot of things that I do whenever I try to teach it, especially to people who are intimidated by things, you know, we really have to bring it down to another level of like, this is what is the safest way to start. And then people really enjoy it and they really connect to their bodies and they want to do more. And that's what's exciting. So I am launching that program and that's the most exciting thing and then from there people can also enjoy all the other things that i offer on venusfit so they can check me out on venusfit.com on instagram i'm venus to be fab that's venus the number two the letter b then f a b like fabulous and then the rest of my handles for tiktok and youtube and facebook are venusfit so that, those awesome. are the places that people can check me out. I got a super beginner program coming up and I've got five other programs available that they can check out. Great. And we'll have all of those linked in the show notes. So easy to find and yeah, find you online. Amazing. So check out the program, check out Venus, you know, online. I think Instagram's a good place too to start and check out venusfit.com to like have a better understanding of what she offers because you have a membership with that, right? 
Yes. Yeah. Members yeah. get access to all the programs except for this new super beginner program because it's Got a it. group follow along. But all the other programs, if you're a member, you have access to all of them. Cool. Yay. Amazing. Thank you, Venus. I really enjoyed just like what you had to share. And I think it's very relatable and tangible. And so I'm grateful for that. Yeah. I hope that everyone, you know, feels inspired to move or be curious about movement or skills in a different new way that feels fun. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you and we should talk again soon. Seriously. Yeah. Okay. Take care, everyone. Thank you for joining me on this journey of radical embodiment. If you enjoyed this episode, I invite you to take a moment and leave a review for the Radical Embodiment podcast on Apple Podcast. Your feedback and support are invaluable in spreading our message of self-acceptance and body positivity to a wider audience. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Thank you again for tuning in. Until next time, stay courageous, stay intentional, and stay radically embodied.